dirty stomach. Do you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. This microphone's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. We should keep uh, that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this should just be like the beginning of the podcast, like the music fades in. Was that your but- stomach? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Which shows have you been a part of and who have you played? I can go first. I've done Guys and Dolls. I was in the Mission Band. I've done Footloose. I was Principal Clark and Ensemble. And I was in Stract. I was an Ensemble. And in Willy Wonka, I was Mr. Bucket. Mr. And Bucket. Then, yes. <laughs> and then we also did Our Town that year. And I was Dr. Gibbs. Ooh. Yeah. I think my favorite, or we can do, fav- we can do favorites, um, probably Dr. Gibbs. It was fun mm-hmm. to have, like, a more dramatic role. Well, who is your wife in that? Sydney. Sydney. It's so weird, because we had Willy, we had Willy Wonka in the same year, and Sydney was my son, and Julian was my dad. And <laughs> in our town, Sydney was my wife, and Julian, Julian was my son. So I guess we worked, we worked well together, but just in different aspects. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about... Um, I don't know if it was Willy Wonka or Sister Act, but or just some of the mishaps that we had on that show. Yeah. <laughs> like especially like Sydney during Sister Act, where <laughs> like I didn't see it. I wish I had seen it, but <laughs> her like was it like her rosary or something? Yeah, like that? it was her rosary or her like some sort of beads she had on her costume. Yeah, that got stuck on the piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it the piano? And then just whoop <laughs> just went down uh willy wonka the bed broke yeah the bed did break in the middle of the high school matinee yeah and then also uh the blueberry outfit didn't blow up on the because because oh, they were filming that day that. it was a one day they were filming and i mean we haven't seen the video yet but like they were filming <laughs> It's and been three years the, and we still yeah. haven't seen it. <laughs> the bed broke and the blueberry didn't blow up. So it was very, it was a cursed show. But yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are your what roles have you played and which ones did you enjoy the most? The first musical theater thing I ever did was like in middle school. Uh, and we did Aladdin and I was part of the ensemble. And I had this like kind of veil or kind of grayish purplish veil. And everyone kept saying I look like an old woman. So that was uh, great for my self-esteem at 12. Um, (laughs) And then I was kind of part of this uh, kids theater group for a little while. And we did Alice Through the Looking Glass. I was the Red Queen. I had this crazy wig and this crazy crown and everything. And I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, And I was basically wearing like a big red prom dress Mm -hmm. for that. And it was insane. And then the next year we did Newsies and I was Racetrack and Schneider. Oh, nice. You're I like think we like alternated. Catcher? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next year we did uh, Guys and Dolls. And I forget her name. It was something kind of strange who was like the main character or the main girl character's friend. I was her and then I was also uh, one of the gamblers. I think so. I had to do some quick changes. I had to do like three quick changes behind nice. just alternating from character to character. And that was when my hair was really short. So it was mm. easy for me to be a guy. Yeah. Did you do the um, full show or was it just like a couple songs? It was, it was this weird kind of like showcase thing because we had mm. all the like little kids and they would do like a little ballet, or ballet dance. And then we would have a scene. Then we'd go off and there would be a, 
another dance from a different group of kids and then we'd come back on again. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it's called. It's like a little showcase. So it wasn't the entire thing, but it was enough mm -hmm. to kind of get the gist of the story. And uh, <laughs> my my parents were talking to me about it a couple of weeks ago and they were like, yeah, we, like we, we really wanted to support you, but it was kind of hard watching uh, the, the whole production where it's like, oh, here's some little kids and they're just walking around and kind of doing like vague gestures around and then here's a scene. Oh, there's, there's my daughter or whatever. And then there's another troop of kids coming on. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, anywho, um, and then when I came to uh, our high school, it was Sister Act. I was mm, Mother Superior, uh, and then on alternating days, I was homeless. ensemble, I guess. Yeah, weren't you and uh, uh, the other Mother Superior just like homeless, and they were only in one scene? Yeah. I don't know why they didn't make you nuns, because they made them, they made the Dolores as nuns, because, like, in grade 11, we double-cast Mother Superior and Dolores um, mm -hmm. for Sister Act, and they, the Doloreses were homeless and nuns, and then Mother Superiors were just homeless, so they were in just one scene. Yeah. I don't know if it was just a, I think it might have been a conversation that we had where we were like, do we want to make this a little bit more complicated for ourselves, or do we want a bit of a break? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think both uh, Gemma and I were kind of like, okay, we kind of want a bit of a break. Yeah, but um, then, like, the Doloreses, they're such, like, they're stars, so, like, you know what, I'll just go, I want to be a nun, too. <laughs> Send you into a room, like, you know what, we, they're like, we, we, need, a break. we need a break. <laughs> <laughs> we need a break. We're not even the stars of the show, and we're, we're just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for Willy Wonka, I was Willy Wonka. Wow. Wow. I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, I could have put a bit more charisma into it. It's high school. We all could do a bit a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> like I am not I haven't I have not watched my high school performances for a reason. Yeah, when I was watching the uh one act that we did with Julian, oh, it was so much fun to watch it again and I was like, Oh, I remember these lines so well. Yeah. Or just listening to you guys go through it and then just me coming in at the end going like, Oh hi Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My little Tommy Wiseau impression. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, yeah, so we're filming this on New Year's Eve. Um, so do you have any resolutions you want to talk about? Um, just to be more vo more motivated. Um, yeah. <laughs> not come home from work and just pass out. Come home from work and, like, do things and not be, like, a lump. I don't know. A lump. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I just really want to get more active and I know it's just like I don't want to go outside because I'm afraid of the outside now. I've always been a little bit agoraphobic but uh, yeah I, I do need to get out and do some more stuff because it feels so good to just mm. go out and even just get a coffee but <laughs> yeah just just go out and stay away from people and like I like that it's socially acceptable now to stay away from people. Yeah. <laughs> you it's don't have to interact. It's still super responsible to be a hermit now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm doing my part for the world. Yeah. <laughs> don't bother Are you, me. Um, without giving away where you, where you live, um, isn't there a track right there? Yeah. Yeah? But there's a lot of people. Are there? Okay, I wasn't sure people were yeah, using it's, it still. It's, it's like a normal part or place for... Um, 
people to go to walk around. Okay. And you get your weirdos. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you go. I mean, we're in the lower mainland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just kind of like, uh, maybe I'll just stick to the treadmill <laughs> yeah. and uh, put on some atmospheric music that makes it sound like I'm walking yeah. in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your plans for tonight's celebrations? Um, just hanging t- hang out with family, playing games, and staying up till yeah. midnight. I mean, I stayed up till 4 a.m. yesterday, so I'm probably won't be too hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, people just, like, struggling to stay up till 12 a.m. It's like, that's amateur. Yeah. <laughs> I can stay up till 5 in the morning and wake up, and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my sister's making a Ramoli board. Oh, nice. Yeah, because we had one uh, at our cabin, but I we always were talking about how we wanted to laminate it and make it into a real game board that we'd use for uh years and years but we never really got around to it but now we want it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so now we're gonna do it um and then yeah my mom's making jalapeno poppers oh nice downstairs uh and then i've got some of that like cranberry uh ginger ale Mm. that's like it's so good it's so good (laughs) i consider it more of a fall drink but yeah it's good <laughs> we would like when we actually had like big Christmas celebrations in the years past. Uh, we would mix it with uh, some of the, like some sort of juice or whatever, and just add like the ginger ale to make it a bit more sparkly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really liked it this year. Just staying home, just mm-hmm. with my parents and my sister for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, was, on um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was just really low-key, and I really enjoyed not having the stress of, like, having to go anywhere or be worried about people coming over. Yeah, we did, um, we, yeah, I didn't leave the house on Christmas. I've left the house since Christmas Eve, so it's been really good. Because <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere, but I still have, I still like the festive, I still do the same festive things, just, like, a different capacity. Yeah, we, we, like, uh, FaceTimed our family. Mm-hmm. and just were like oh hey what are you guys doing what are you gonna have for dinner tonight are you doing the regular turkey or well part of my uh, extended family is vegetarian or mm-hmm. along those lines they still have, they still have fish mm, pescatarian ah yeah this <laughs> <laughs> is reminded so someone's like i'm pescatarian and then they're like i don't care about your religious beliefs yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> That's why whenever I hear pescatarian, I always think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a conversation about Billy Elliot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to History in the Spotlight, a podcast where we discuss musicals that are based on historical events or that have historical significance. My name is Annika Lutane. And I'm Axel Cowan. So the summary of Billy Elliot is, so it's based on the movie by Lee Hall and Stephen Naldry, and here's a quick summary. Against the background of an increasingly bitter minor strike in which his elder brother and father, and father are involved, young Billy Elliot finds he prefers joining a girls' ballet class at the local hall to the boxing he's there for. Ballet teacher, Mrs. Wilkinson, soon realizes he has, poten- he has real potential, but no one, least of, all his fam- least of all his family, is likely to go along with a lad doing dancing. And that's the description from the movie. Okay. Uh, Annika, do you want to talk about the background? Uh, yes. 
All right. So the UK minor strike was from 1984 to 1985. Uh, I got my sources from Wikipedia, obviously, um, which is kind of the most direct way to understand it. And then also from an article from the Globe and Mail, it's a uh, miners in the UK call off strike by John Fraser dated March 4th, 1985. So the minor strike began March 6, 1984, and lasted until March 3rd, 1985. So it lasted almost a year. Um, it was a major industrial sh action to shut down the British coal industry in an attempt to prevent colliery, colliery closures. So that's like coal mine issue or coal mine closures. Um, there were three parties involved. You had the National Union of Mine Workers, um, also called NUM or NUM. Um, and then you had the National Coal Board, the NCB, and then Her Majesty's Government. And alongside them were the Metropolitan Police and the South Yorkshire Police. Um, the leader of the National Union of Mine Workers was Arthur Scargill. Uh, and then the leader of the National Coal Board was Sir Ian Kinloch McGregor. And then the Prime Minister and leader of the Conservative government at the time was Lady Margaret Thatcher. Um, so Margaret Thatcher wanted to reduce the power of the trade unions and she inevitably got her way. So the background is that since the beginning of the 20th century, there have been reducing numbers of collieries, collieries in the UK and employment in the collieries have been dropping significantly since then. So previous minor strikes in 1972 and 1974, though they were significantly smaller in scale, um, were more successful. Uh, in the early 1970s, NUM brought down the Conservative government of Edward Heath with their strikes and wage demands. An election was called in 1974, which resulted in a hung parliament uh, the Conservatives lost their majority, and Heath resigned when he couldn't manage to create a coalition with the Liberal Party. Uh, in 1981, Arthur Scargill led the NUM. He was a militant trade unionist, a socialist, and viewed communism favorably. Vocal or he was a vocal opponent of Thatcher's government and believed that they were attempting to destroy the coal mining industry and the NUM. Um, so this is a direct quote from Wikipedia. On the 12th of May, 1983, in response to being questioned on how he re would respond if the Conservatives were re-elected in the general election, Scargill replied, my attitude would be the same as the attitude of the working class in Germany when the Nazis came to power. It does not mean that, that because at some stage you elect a government that you tolerate its existence, you oppose it. Um, in 1981, uh, in January, the Yorkshire area of NUM held a successful ballot to approve strike action over any pit threatened with closure on economic grounds. In February of the same year, the government announced plans to close 23 pits across the country, but uh, the threat of strikes made them back down. Uh, between March of that year all the way to March of 1984, the National Coal Board cut down employment by 41,000. Um, so NUM balloted its members for national strikes in January 1982, October 1982, 
and March 1983 due to pit closures and restrained wages. Um, Margaret Thatcher wanted the economy to grow, so she believed that the best course of action was to close inefficient collieries and depend more upon imported coal, gas, or oil, and nuclear power. Uh, she, she knew that she'd have to accumulate a six-month stockpile of coal before there was any kind of strike could be allowed to happen, or else Britain would come to a complete standstill and her government would have to adhere to the demands of the strikers. Um, so this is a direct quotation, which uh, Scargill played into her hands by ignoring the buildup of coal stocks and, call, and calling the strike at the end of the winter when demand was for coal was declining. This was a massive error on Scargill's uh, side. In uh, April 19th, 1984, the NUM didn't vote for a national ballot, and without it, miners in other areas of Britain continued to work. Um, so going back a year, 1983, Thatcher appointed Ian McGregor to head the NCB. Ian McGregor had a reputation for standing up against union pressure and had experience from his leadership at the British Steel Corporation during the 70s. So that's our whole background, and we're going to the beginning of the strike. This is a very complicated uh, situation, <laughs> so bear with me. Yeah. Um, March 6, 1984, the NCB said that 20 collieries would close, and that would lead to a loss of 20,000 jobs. So many communities in Northern England, Scotland, and Wales would lose their primary source of employment. Um, pit closures and pay restraint led to a walkout at the Cordonwood Colliery on March 6, 1984. Uh, so that was the beginning. Uh, there was strike support in South Wales, Yorkshire, uh, Scotland, Northeast England, and Kent. There was less support in the Midlands and in North Wales. In Nottinghamshire, there was aggressive and violent picketing as some picketers tried to stop miners from working. There is, like, as a result of this, there was the Battle of Orgreave, uh, June 18th, 1984, at the Orgreave coking plant, striking miners tried to make a blockade, and about 5,000 strikers and 5,000 police officers clashed. Uh, 51 picketers were injured, and 72 policemen were injured. So that was a big outburst of violence. And the legitimacy of the strikers relied upon the ballot, and they had not received a majority among miners to continue the strike. So in January of 1985, the number of strike breakers increased as it became harder for them to provide for their families as union pay ran out and the NUM was hopelessly divided. Uh, the strike ended officially on March 3rd, 1985. The strike lasted almost a year, as I said before, and it ended in a victory for the conservative government. Um, overall, there were six deaths that occurred during this time. Uh, injuries from police were 51, from the NUM it was 72, which I now realize is the exact opposite of what I had said earlier. <laughs> so that's obviously two different sources that have switched it around a bit. So mm. I'll have to double check that later. Um, and the <laughs> number of arrested people was 11,291 people. Wow. <laughs> um, intimidation tactics were employed by strikers and against working miners. There were beatings, threats, etc. 
And one of the notable deaths during this time, this is a direct quotation from the uh, Wikipedia page, was that taxi driver and father of four, David Wilkie, was killed on the 30th of November, 1984, while driving a non-striking member to Merthyr Vale Colliery in South Wales. Two striking members dropped a 46 pound, or 21 kilogram, depends, uh, concrete post onto his car from a road bridge and he died at the scene. The miners served a prison sentence for manslaughter. So, wow. don't like don't have anyone tell you that uh, strikes are without their deaths or violence or yeah, yeah. That's so that's brutal. it's insane. So yeah, that's basically what I have for that particular uh, <laughs> yeah topic. But, yeah, I was gonna say, do you know of any like any leaders in the strike? Yeah, that was. Um, What's his name? Arthur Scargill. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, who is the leader of the National Union of Mine Workers. By the time that the strike ended, he was kind of humiliated. Mm. So it wasn't a good end for him. Yeah. Because he kind of lost all, like, credibility. Mm. And just to, like, so none of the characters in Billy Elliot are, are real people, right? They're just kind of composites of working class people and their children. Yeah. So, yeah. So Billy Elliot's uh, dad and um, dad and brother and basically every adult male around him is part of the uh, is part of the union. So he's very much influenced by the by the coal mine strike. Mm -hmm. So just go through the characters. There's Billy, a 11 year old boy whose family is involved, is heavily involved in the coal miner strike discovers his love for dancing, much to the chagrin of his family, particularly his father. Mrs. Wilkinson is a dance teacher who notices Billy's potential and encourages him to audition for the Royal Ballet School. Dad is, uh, his name's Jackie, but like it says in the, on the, in the, like the whole thing is dad, but so dad. Dad, Billy's wid widowed father, working class coal miner who is very opposed to Billy da Billy's dancing. Tony, Billy's older brother, who is also a coal miner, gets injured in a strike clash. Grandma, Billy's grandmother, who encourages Billy to dance. Mum, Billy's dead mother, who Billy speaks to periodic periodically for guidance. And Michael, Billy's best friend, who comes out as gay, encourages Billy to express himself. So the creation, so the movie, so the movie came first. Well, it was the movie was based on a play by Lee Hall. Yeah, it was just a, it was a play called Dancer, I believe. Okay. It's weird. So it's like a couple different things coming together. So, so one of the, one of the songs, the, the first song is The Stars Look Down, The Stars Look Down, mm -hmm. which is a direct quote uh, from a novel by A.J. Cronin about a minor strike. Yeah, so it's adapted from a play uh, called Dancer by Lee Hall. Uh, the film started developing in uh, 1999 and the premiered in 2000, uh, 2000 uh, September 2000, September 29th, 2000. Okay. And then the musical Elton John was at one of the first screens of the movie and approached Lee Hall, the screenwriter for the movie, about writing the book. They also used the same director and choreographer from the movie. So the creatives include uh, Sir Elton John, who did the music, Lee Hall, who did the book and lyrics, Stephen Daldry, who directed, and Peter Darling, who did the choreography. Uh, Sir Elton John, I'm sure you 
all know who he is. Um, <laughs> he's a world Rocket renowned man. Yeah, he's uh, he's amazing. Uh, world renowned musician has been in top forty UK charts fifty times and has seven number ones. Has two Academy Awards, six Grammy Awards, and one Tony. Oof. Other Broadway credits include The Lion King and Aida. Uh, I don't want to talk about Elton John a little bit. Wait, does he have an EGOT? Uh, I don't think so, actually. I think he, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's been nominated for any. Because, like, if that's the last one that he's got before he gets, like, an EGOT, like, I would work towards that. I don't think he has an EGOT. Elton John is in the Emmy. Yeah, and he has actually been, he hasn't been nominated for any. He hasn't done, he hasn't done much TV work, so that's kind of yeah. why. Lee Hall is a British playwright and screenwriter. He wrote the play Dancer that Billy Elliot was, was based on. He won mm-hmm. the Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical for Billy Elliot. Also wrote the screenplay for Rocket Man and Cats. Ooh. Yeah, uh, we love Rocket Man. We our cats is there too. <laughs> yeah, you guys were like begging me to go with you to go see that, and I was like, I like I love you guys, but I'm not gonna go see that. <laughs> as soon as I came home from school, um, I wanted to see my friends, so I was like, oh, what movies in theaters? And I was like, oh, I really want to see this, but that's how Cats was in theaters, so I was like. I'd rather see this with friends and not be a sad scene alone. <laughs> so I went and with um, our friends Hannah and Julian, and it was a it was such a fun time. <laughs> but yeah. I totally understand, Annika, why you didn't want to go. But you have like, when we were in the middle of quarantine, you had some people posting like, "Do you know that some people's last movie that they saw in theaters was Cats?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, thank God that wasn't me." Yeah, I think my my last was Onward. Yeah, my last yeah. was Knives Out. Oh, nice, cool. That's a good one. Yeah, I haven't seen that actually. It's so good. Uh, I know Chris Evans and like everyone else is in it too. Like, yeah. Do you know spoilers or are you going in blind? I'll go in blind. I don't. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I, that was one of the rare movies that I didn't mm. look into anything, so I was oh, actually nice. genuinely surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Daldry, English director and producer, two Tony Awards, one Primetime Emmy out of five nominations, and three Academy Award nominations. Uh, yeah, I know he's done <laughs> quite well for himself. He has also got a couple Olivier's, which is like the British Tonys. Uh, oh, he's done The Crown. Nice. <gasps> like, wait, um, does he does he direct The Crown? I wonder if he got a lot of flack for. Oh, he he's an executive producer for this scene. This season. By the way, we're going to talk about that a bit later when we talk about Maggie Thatcher. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's just an EP. Not an e- not just an EP, but like, I think he's he's directed a couple of episodes, but not like consistently. Yeah. I can't uh, wait to like fully dive into the story of the Royals. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> we're probably going to do Diana. Yeah, Diana's going to come out soon enough. I'm not sure when they're releasing the album, but yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, and then finally, we have Peter Darling. He's he's choreographed Billy Elliot. He's choreographed Billy Elliot, Matilda, and Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day for the West End production, and he won the Tony for best choreography for Billy Elliot. Was nominated for Matilda and Groundhog Day as well. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. <laughs> just some cast notes um, all three boys in both major, major productions West End and Broadway won the major theater awards as a group of three okay. so the Olivier Ton- and Tony so I'll look at their names up here just to give them credit um, which version did you watch uh, I actually didn't watch this one I didn't have time to watch it 
I know, but I, um, but actually, actually, fun fact: this is the first show we've done. I mean, we've only done three episodes, but this is the first uh, show that we've done that I actually saw in person. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw it. At so Stra- you're excused. I'm excused. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it at Stratford, um, like just like the major theater thing in here in Canada. I saw it at Stratford. Uh, I think a month into our program. Okay. Yeah, it was actually so good. Uh, we were so it was on a thrust stage, which is kind of half round i know i'm probably gonna kill for saying it's half round but like it's so it's like it's like usually theaters have like a lip around the stage where you kind of kind of comes around but like not that much but this has like a full half where you're, you're sitting on one side so we were like second row but we were also on the side so everything was like everything was choreographed to the front yeah. so but they had some moments where they were going to the sides uh, but it was it was really fun. It was a really good show. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some other fun facts with Santino, Santino Fontana winning his Tony in 20, 2019, that made him the first cast, the third cast member of the Broadway cast to win a Tony, after the three boys, Kareel Coolish, David Alvarez, and Trent uh, Kowalik, and Gregory Jabara in two thousand nine. So Santina Santino Fontana, sorry, he's a He's Hans in Frozen. Uh, he played. Oh, like the voice. Uh, yeah, he's the voice. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he is also in um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm. And uh, he was in the like the the show he won his Tony for was uh, Tootsie, which is based on the. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why they made that a musical, but whatever. Um, it's a little outdated, but, uh, yeah, he won that. And then, so the two that are mentioned, uh, the three boys and Gregory Jabara won them, won the Tony for Billy Elliot. Oh, nice. Uh, Gregory Jabara played dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel so weird saying just dad. Father. Yes. Father. (laughs) Uh, and then no, notable replacements include Tom Holland, um, uh-huh. Spider-Man Tom Holland, played uh, Billy and Michael. I feel like he's the best known for this yeah, for production. Sure. Um, just because yeah. of his later uh, successes. Yeah, like the other ones I like wrote down were still pretty notable. Um, just as Tom Holland is Tom Holland. You know who he is <laughs> without having me explain who he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we stand Tom Holland. I think this is only his only theater show. I'll just double check that though. Yeah, I think this is his only, at least major theater. Yeah, and then uh, and then Leighton Williams, who plays uh, Jamie, and everything was everyone's talking about Jamie. Uh, have you heard of that show? Vaguely. Yeah, uh, that's actually that's based on a true story, so we can do that eventually. And then Lila Crawford, she is, she played a uh, little red in the Into the Woods movie. Okay. And then she's mostly, she's, other than that, she's well known for playing Annie in the revival in 2012. Yeesh. <laughs> okay. Um, so just some general themes. Uh, class, being working class, there are very few aspirations that are realistic for Billy, including being a ballet dancer. Jackie is out of place when he is at the ballet school audition. Because of just kind of some class differences. Mm-hmm. Um, family, related and found. Family is an important theme. Half the main cast is related to Billy and half the cast is part of the coal miner strike. 
Mrs. Wilkinson is also like a surrogate mother for Billy. Uh, gender slash gender roles. It is assumed that Jackie would not have the same problems with Billy's ballet if he were a girl. Michael challenges Billy's perception of gender in what it means to be a man. And that kind of comes out in the song Express Yourself. I really like that one. That was a fun song, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that <laughs> the Stratford production, I don't know if I, I didn't see, the, I didn't watch the, um, the show uh, recently, but the thing about Stratford production is that they had all these, because they're in a, they're, I believe they're a clothing store or they're in some sort of establishment where there's a lot of clothes nearby. And they have these um, people in like mannequin suits. So they were, they didn't have heads. They were just, they just had these dresses on, but they were like oversized. So they were walking around. They just had like fishnet leggings and these like, like two big dresses. It was so weird, but like it was really, it, like it was, it was part of the show. That's like profoundly <laughs> disturbing. It was like, <laughs> it's just a headless like thing, just walking around and going like it was, that, 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 that. Yeah, it was it was fun, but it was also kind of creepy. But you know what? You make your choices. Yeah, I wonder whose decision that yeah. was. <laughs> Let's scar some children. Would you be interested in hearing about Margaret Thatcher? We have to. <laughs> and honestly, my, one of my favorite songs of the show was surrounding her, so... Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Because it kind of burns her the whole time. Yeah, so did, so you listened to Maggie Out, right? Yes. Mag- <laughs> Maggie Out, Maggie And I had no idea that's where that, that, that like, um, melody comes from, because I've heard it before. It was, it's, so it's based on, like, the, the, the melody came before that, but... Oh, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah just watching the video i was like am i watching the right version because it's just these like guys dressed up like a wizard yeah or something or a clown and then they're dancing in a field yeah um <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I had a good time with that but um so my sources for talking about margaret thatcher are it's wikipedia obviously and an article that's called Still Too Much Socialism in Britain, The Legacy uh. of Margaret Thatcher by Hugh Bainan, uh, Industrial Relations Journal, uh, in 2017. So talking about the life of Margaret Thatcher, she was born October 13th, 1925, and she died April 8th, 2013, after suffering a stroke. She was age 87. Uh, She was a thoroughly controversial figure in the United Kingdom, and that's putting it lightly. Uh, She served as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 1979 to 1990. She was the longest-serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century. That's 11 years, what the heck? Yeah, she was uh, elected three times. Oh, well, they wanted her that bad. <laughs> Despite how much everyone hates her, she was elected I mean, I, three times. I guess, I guess, well, I guess look, researching this show and like workers' unions, you're going to have bias against her for a yeah. good reason, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was the first woman to hold the office of the British Prime Minister, and she was dubbed the Iron Lady by a Soviet journalist, a little moniker that she kind of adopted herself. She was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the song Maggie Out was used during multiple protests. I highly recommend people looking that video up because I had a good time. Um, she was popular during her first years 
as a prime minister, but recession and rising unemployment turned the public against her. Uh, the victory in the Falkland War in 1982 and the recovering economy led to her re-election in 1983. Um, it was interesting because actually for the first two elections that she won, she won by a landslide in both of them. Like, <laughs> the, the third one, she kind of won by the skin of her teeth, but um, yeah, it was weird just like having known that a lot of people really hated her mm -hmm. and yet she won in a landslide twice. Was was it a majority all three times, or was it was the last one a minority? Mm, I wish I knew. Do they have minority governments in the UK? Because we're based off the UK, and we have yeah, minority they, right now. They, they do have a majority governments. So that's why um, when the NUM brought down Heath's government, they didn't have a majority, and mm. so when they tried to make a coalition government with the Liberal Party, they failed to do so, so he had to resign. Oh, okay. At least that's what I remember. Um, so she survived an assassination attempt in 1984 by the Provisional IRA and won against the National Union of Mine Workers in 1985. Uh, she was re-elected in 1987, but was increasingly unpopular and resigned as prime minister and leader of the conservative party in 1990 after there was a challenge to her leadership. Uh, she retired from the commons in 1992. Um, when she left office, you had like 52% of people who thought, or 52% of British people who thought that she had been good for Britain, but then 94, or no, 48% thought that she hadn't been that great. Yeah. Um, this, this next part is really mean. I just want to, sorry, I just want to bet in here. Um, so Maggie out was, as soon as she was, as soon as she resigned, it was revised as Maggie gone. Maggie gone, Maggie gone. Maggie yeah. Gone. Oh gosh. Um, this next part is going to be even worse. So it's really mean, but it's kind of, it's terribly funny at the same time, which I feel bad for saying that. Because... Mm -hmm. um, after her death in 2013, the song Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead pushed to the top of the charts in Britain. Oh, no. And I thought, <laughs> I, like, so Maggie Gone was revised, like, Maggie I was revised with Maggie Gone, and then after she died, there were parties, and people were, were chanting, Maggie Dead. Oh, like, no. a lot of people didn't like her. Yeah, it's like, there were celebrations on April 17th across the UK, or probably before then as well, uh, especially in industrial regions and coal fields. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I mean, you're in a major base, they're, they're going to be pretty happy when you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was played by Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady and portrayed by Gillian Anderson in The Crown. And so I recently watched The Crown, maybe like last month or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And Gillian Anderson, like, freaked the heck out of me. Like, I've had this conversation a lot of times with my mom, where mm -hmm. <laughs> just the voice that she uses, I don't even know if this is actually, like, Margaret Thatcher's real voice, but mm -hmm. she talks like this a lot. And I started to, like, because it freaked me out, like, I would get chills every time I heard her speaking because it, it was really creepy to me. Mm -hmm. um, so Gillian Anderson did a good job. She made me really hate the character. But just, Good job. <laughs> just the, the cadence of speech and just the way that she spoke. You had this one scene where she's like, well, we are the same age. She's talking to the, the queen. We are the same age. And then you have the queen who's like, oh, and who's the elder? 
And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> Margaret Thatcher's like, I am. And just, so it was just, I was doing it in the car today and my mom started laughing uncontrollably <laughs> because it was just so uncomfortable. Yeah. I am. So you had context on Maggie, Th- on Maggie Thatcher going to the show. How did you feel about her, about how they spoke about her? Well, as you said before, it's definitely a biased opinion yeah. or viewpoint of Margaret Thatcher. Um, the Crown did not speak highly of her either. Mm-hmm. Not really. Like, at the end, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we've had our ups and downs, but I'm still going to award you this Medal of Honor or whatever it is. I don't know. But because mm. the Queen saw how crushed she was at having to resign. But, yeah, I would be I would be peeved, too. <laughs> Much more than peeved <laughs> if uh, someone came for my job or the jobs of my entire town. Yeah. Um, the thing is, it, it was coal. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> I mean, industrial uh, revolution kind of threw mm-hmm. up the entire environment where we're in the living club crisis yeah. now. So, but like even even Britain relies, or at least of 2012, Britain still relies pretty heavily mm-hmm. on coal for their energy yeah. and electricity. Um, so, I've just got a little bit after of the Thatcher government. So, arguably, the greatest impact of the Thatcher government lay in the weakening of the trade unions and the fundamental alterations of the framework of industrial relations. Um, The history of the strike is complicated, but well documented. And after the strike, 50 mines were closed along with the termination of 50,000 jobs. Mm. So when you have complete like coal mining towns, you have a lot of people leaving because there's no longer any work. Mm-hmm. And so basically those towns become ghost towns. Like, do you remember, uh, what was that ghost town that we went to uh, on our Calgary okay. trip? Oh, like all the way back and like, uh, like... Was that an accumulated town or a real town? I think it was simulated. I think it was okay. just like they built it there. It was a well, tourist it was creepy traction. anyways. It was very creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember going in there making, making videos with you. <laughs> <laughs> what was this? It was like, Trapper's Cabin. Looks like he's kind of trapped. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't had, make sense wait, if you went they, there. They have... It had some sort of like Canadian politician, like like a mannequin, like a cardboard cutout of... That was Pierre Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was talking about, like, this is the train car that he flipped off the (laughs) photographers and reporters from. (laughs) And they had, like, a cardboard cutout of him right there. (laughs) Actually, I I was going to... So, like, the song we'll be talking about a little bit is uh, Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. It's the opening to Act 2. They're all kind of dejected, but, like, um, uh, Dad is like, you know what? We're going to have a good Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. And they were all just kind of roasting her the whole time. It's just a, a diss track against Maggie Thatcher. Yeah, it was kind um, of a flipping off. Yeah. Um, and then in, like, in the Stratford production, halfway through the song, they brought out these, like, puppets, these, like, big, big puppets. <laughs> <laughs> where each like where, like f- like an ensemble member like handled handled each limb, um, and they had like I think they had was Nixon the president at the time, 
Or is that uh, Reagan? No, it would have been Reagan. I know that uh, she met Reagan and the elder Bush guy. Yeah, it was uh, Reagan. Um, so it was, yeah, so they had like hardboard, not hard, they had like big puppets of Reagan and then uh, Trudeau <laughs> was president, was prime minister then too. So they had like, like, and I think some other political figures, but it was just really funny. They were like roasting Maggie Thatcher. They're bringing out these big puppets. Yeah. Uh, so the workers were very, just trying to find a segue. Um, they didn't like Maggie Thatcher. Uh, Obviously. And this is, yeah. But is this, this isn't the first time they've kind of risen against the man. Like there has been like strikes and revolts against the, like the heads in like forever. Yeah. Like in 1972 so, and 1974. Yeah, like like miners. If you're talking about miners specifically, but there's also like other things like that. There are other strikes related to unions. Yeah. So I work. I looked a bit, a little bit into working class, working class anthems because like there's two major working class anthems in this show, like that like are very true to the form. There's a uh, stars look down and then solidarity. Oh, they're both such buffs. Yeah, both made it onto my favorite songs list. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Um, I love Solidarity too because like, they're both like both sides of the song are so passionate. Like Billy is discovering his passion for ballet, and Mrs. Wilkinson is discovering how good he is. And mm-hmm. then the miners are also like, ah, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> they're all like very, <laughs> they're all very passionate about how much they want to have jobs. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Um, you want to have livelihoods? Yeah. So I looked up a couple working class anthems. I just wrote a little bit about each one. So the first one I found was, is Which Side Are You On? Mm. Um, originally written by Florence Reese, wife of Sam Reese, a union organizer for the United Mine Workers in Harlan County, Kentucky in 1931. Mr. Reese and the rest of the miners had been, had been in a bitter feud with the mining company that is known, now known as the Harlan County War. The mining, the mining company hired, hired the sheriff, J.H. Blair, to illegally enter the, the Reese household and terrorize them to intimidate the workers. This only galvanized Florence to write the lyrics and f- organize further in 1973 when another minor strike was occurring. The song was curated and made famous by the Almanac Singers and has been adopted by several artists such as Ani DeFranco, Billy Bragg, and Ella Jenkins. It has been adopted by several movements as well, such as the Civil Rights Movement, Bernie Sanders election campaign hmm. and was a prominent song in 1960 for the GDR. Um, okay, so another song that I looked into was There is Power in a Union, very, mm-hmm. to, the, very to the point. Um, originally written by Joe Hill in 1913. Hill, a Swedish immigrant, was struggled with unemployment, but as a member of the IWW, uh, Industrial Workers of the World, was a cartoonist and songwriter. Uh, the song calls on action for better working conditions and wage rights. Billy Bragg recorded a version for his album, Talking to the Taxman, about poetry. Bragg's version was used in 2014 film, Pride, by <laughs> Stephen Beresford about a group of gay and lesbian activists who raised money for the coal miners' strike of 1984 and 1985. I was going to talk about that. Oh, cool. Yeah, we can start. Uh, I have one more song to talk about that's actually relevant to the movie, too. Okay, um, <laughs> And then the last song I looked at was Red and Roses, based on a quote from Helen Todd's Women's Suffrage and Workers' Right Activist. Usually originally used by the women's suffrage movement, Bright and Roses became a symbol of necessity and luxury and how they should be available to all. The Lawrence Textile Strike of 1912 became known as a Bright and Roses Strike, also featured in the 2014 film Pride. 
Annika, do you want to talk about Pride a little bit? Um, I was just going to say that, like, if you like this story, please check out 2014's Pride. Yeah. Uh, wiki description is based on a true story. Um, the only, like, person who's not actually real is, like, the main character. It's kind of like your um, audience plant mm-hmm. yeah. so that you can learn about it. Um, so based on a true story, the film depicts a group of lesbian and gay activists who raise money to help families affected by the British miners' strike in 1984 at the outset of what would become the Lesbians and Gays gay Support the Miners campaign. And like I watched that movie a couple of years ago and it was completely delightful. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like it was really like it had like a deep impact because it touched upon like so many different uh, like important themes. Mm-hmm. just the like companionship and sense of family that everyone found mm. and there's uh, some there's some big days in there too there's like bill uh bill nye yeah <laughs> not, not the same as bill nye the science guy yeah so bill nye the british actor um yeah. Melba staunton <laughs> yeah she's gonna uh, be the next uh queen in the crown oh really mm-hmm. oh i didn't know that uh yeah. and uh oh patty considine i recognize that name Near the end of the movie, you have, uh, I think they were going to a rally or something, and then everyone gets off the bus, and this one old lady, she goes, where are my lesbians? <laughs> and runs out to, like, go hug her friend. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, that's adorable. I didn't realize, I, I guess I, I never heard of the movie before, but I also didn't realize how much coverage there was of this strike, of the 84-85 minor strike. I didn't realize, I mean, obviously, I'm, I was born in 2000, so I didn't have any <laughs> growing up relevance. And I'm also Canadian, so I don't really know much about it. But and I feel like, of, like unions. Yeah, I feel like it's cool to like be born in a moment like that, or like be growing up in a moment like that. Like Billy and Michael are children; they're 11, and I think they're both 11. Yeah, it's it would be interesting because, well, growing up, you learn about these like events that happen throughout history, and you're like, oh, I wonder what it would have been like to be alive at that at that stage mm-hmm. of history and be aware of everything happening and and then this year happens yeah <laughs> and you think i want out i don't i don't want to live through a significant yeah. historical event please no yeah stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> i've had enough i just want to be the boring part yeah. of the textbook do you have a favorite song um i liked the stars look down mm-hmm. solidarity expressing yourself merry christmas maggie thatcher and yeah that was about it yeah um I, yeah i like all the same songs uh stars look down solidarity um i like the letter which is the mom it's very yeah. sad but it's very good uh and merry christmas maggie thatcher yeah <laughs> it's just a fun song and like uh, like the the show is like is that's the thing about the marketing about the show is like it's marketed as a kids show but it's so vulgar yeah there's a i was noticing that there's a lot of yelling and yeah. a lot of swearing and it was like i don't know if it was just the sound quality of the video i was watching but it was just so annoying yeah. because i couldn't hear what people were saying so i would turn up the volume and then mm. all of a sudden the dad would be yelling yeah. Billy, Billy! it's very weird be like, yeah. <laughs> it's weird pacing because you go to like the, like the quiet like not, not not like not timid or anything, but like the quieter ballet scenes, and all of a sudden the men are screaming, they're rioting, they're striking. Yeah, and I think so. it was one of the early scenes where was, I don't know if it was the dad or the brother that was calling for Billy to come downstairs, and I was like, just shut up, 
Yeah. I'm so tired of you calling for Billy. If he hasn't come down this time, you better go up there and get him. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you another time. And then like five seconds later, Billy. <laughs> um, I actually, how do you feel about the accents? I, I watch a lot of British and Scottish mm. and Irish television, so. I, yeah, I just found the accent like very weird. Like with like the number of times, any T's. Any T's. I'm trying to eat Anyways, I didn't find their uh, accents that strange. I think it yeah. was just the uh, maybe the combination of the bad sound quality and mm-hmm. a bit of the the accent. Like I know that sometimes people say "ken" instead of "no." Like I ken him. Huh. Like you ken that person over there. Yeah. Instead of "no," at least I think I'm correct in that. Yeah. Um, it's not my favorite song, but like, uh, like it's not a bad song, but like electricity, you can definitely tell it's written by Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a very angry dance. Yeah, angry dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The problem is that like I wasn't like overall it was a good musical. It's just that it's not my cup of tea. It's so cause... weird though. Like what I was saying a little bit earlier, like it's marketed as a kids show, but it's so vulgar and it's so <laughs> like. Like, in between all these, like, kid scenes, it's, like, these, like, angry men marching about Britain, like, in a good way. Like, they're they're angry for a good reason. Yeah, shows yeah. you, like, stand up to the man. Yeah. Get I'm that surprised ingrained that, in you when you're young. I'm just surprised that it ran for so long. But, like, it's Elton John. It's, it's an Elton John show. You're going to see it. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I'm not big on dance-heavy musicals. Yeah, for sure. Like, sure, like... You can have some dance in there, but just include some singing at the same time. <laughs> I, I relate more to ballads where they're standing still instead of giant dance breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that I had when I was watching An American in Paris, mm-hmm. where that's a very ballet and dance heavy uh, show. And then you'd have like five minutes without anyone singing and it's just dancing and the emotions and stuff. And I just wasn't interested. Yeah. But I feel like for the show, like, it ha- like, you have it has to be a dance chubby show because it's Billy Elliot about like a ballet dancing boy. Um, like I guess like there there's an excuse to to be very dance heavy. Yes. It's just some shows. Like, I was like, do you have to have a dance number there? Like, does it have to like break it and dance? Like like Carousel. I don't know if you know Carousel, but like it's nope. golden age show and like every there's like a this guy dies and then he comes back and he has like this dancing dream sequence after like like looking over his daughter and like it's very i it's very conceptual for the 1940s but okay. yeah yeah i don't know if it's, i don't it's i mean there's a navy stuff so it could be historical ish but do you have a favorite character not really like probably billy yeah i like billy i like michael i like i mean that's the same thing i don't i don't like i don't dislike anybody either <laughs> yeah i love grandma grandma's grandma's a queen <laughs> but out of the musicals that we've done so far this one's probably uh my least favorite so far. I think Little Woman's probably my least favorite, but I, yeah, <laughs> like this is still like this is still a fun show. It's just there's not too much to talk about. It's yeah. just like a lot about the minor strike and Margaret Thatcher and yeah. It was probably just because I watched such a crappy version mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, um, and we also we like like just behind the scenes. We were recording this three days after our Little Women episode, so. Yeah, I'm sure if we had a little bit more time, we could have delved a little bit deeper, but... Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It was just, we're just trying to have a backlog, so we, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, don't have to, we can cut out. Yeah, I'm seeing about whether or not I want to get a subscription to Broadway HD. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like so tired of terrible quality yeah. musicals on YouTube That's as much as it, I appreciate them. Yeah. But isn't isn't Billy Elliot on there? Um, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I'll have to do a bit more research because uh, that was the <laughs> that was the reason why I accidentally got locked out of my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> because I was trying to find out a way that I could uh, subscribe to it without a credit card, but now I have my mm. credit card, so it's it's uh, yeah. it's easier. I like the show. It's a fun show. It's definitely very empowering. It makes you feel very passionate about a lot of things. Um, I love the costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the boxing scene at the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> where they're like, the guy's like, all right, just punch him. And then he like puts his arms out wide, accidentally knocks the kid in the face. And yeah. <laughs> this kid's got really good at doing yeah. pratfalls and yeah stuff like that but yeah i just felt like i was missing a lot of the the jokes because the sound quality was so bad Mm -hmm. i might have to go back and see um if i can find a better quality or if i subscribe to broadway hd okay well thank you all for listening you can find us at our email history of the spotlight at gmail.com email us your opinions of billy elliott or just your theater opinions in general give us suggestions for what we could do next just anything that you think is relevant for the show, like your music leader experiences. Yeah. Um, we're also on Instagram, History of the Spotlight. Uh, follow us there for updates. Or find us on Twitter at History in the Sp One. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. And should we tell them about what's going to happen next next episode? Yes. We will be doing six. Yay! The musical about Henry VIII's six wives. Yes. We're very excited. <laughs> it's probably the musical that I'm most obsessed with right now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a, the most relevant show we're talking about so far. <laughs> yeah, and it's short. Like, yeah, like 75 sometimes minutes. Sometimes get kind of a... So, and basically the whole thing is on the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You get but some like, are... little talking points in between that are kind of nice to listen to. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye.